Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Now, welcome to another edition of Coffee Shop Conversations segment. Normally, we hold the show on Monday, but unfortunately, we were not able to do so yesterday, so we're doing it today. Today at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 Central, 8 Mountain, and 7 Pacific. We have our friend here online with us. Say hello, let's say hello to Shatila. Good morning, Shatila. Good morning, all. Okay. And Jed is there. Good morning, Jed. Hey, Satila, ATN. Good morning. How are you guys? Fine, thank you. Fine, thank you. The question is, how are you, Daddy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing good. It's been a busier week than normal, but it's been a good week. We got I'm on the line with you, but... uh. I'm going to be calling you from, I'm calling in from outside. I'm in the classroom right now. You probably can hear an echo. I'm in a room all by myself. No one knows except one door. That's it. So I'm going to get away from the studio and talk with you. Go ahead. All right, so I'd love to hear the story behind this. What are you doing in, uh, what are you doing in the classroom? <laughs> all right, well, here's what's going on. Today is the day before the last day of a summer program here on campus at the University of Virgin Islands. I came down to listen to the presenter just before the show, and there's another presenter coming up after the show. What I didn't know is that they had changed it around. Nevertheless, I figured I could do the show from the classroom next door, and it worked. I had to work out a few little bugs, but I got it to work. Problem was, I'm in a classroom that is all closed in, all enclosed, and therefore we have the echo effect. And to make the phone work properly, I have to step outside. So that's where I am now, out in the sunshiny Virgin Islands, facing the beach, <laughs> the airport, and the campus, all three at once. <laughs> oh, that must be awful, sitting there podcasting live <laughs> from the beach. I love it. I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> oh, yeah, well... Along with that comes the uh, mosquitoes, so you can have all the mosquitoes, and uh, life will be okay. Oh, mosquitoes at the beach, even. Yes, yes, yes. They're everywhere. They they go everywhere. They're equal opportunists. You know what? They don't they don't segregate. They put anybody anywhere, anytime, anyhow. So that's that's how you know you are serious podcaster, serious radio show host when you're out doing the show live, getting bitten by mosquitoes, blazing the sun, relaxing on the beach. Oh, no, 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 no. I wish it were. I wish it were. We're close to the beach. I'm not relaxing on the beach. I got to run from here to there and everywhere to where you should have seen me already. I had to place the phone calls about four times because we couldn't get good reception. 
Anyhow, let's say hi to Shatila because uh, she's been having a hard time trying to keep up with uh, life in her neck of the woods. Good morning. One eye open, one eye closed. <laughs> oh, man. That's a, that's a mommy job. The mommy reaction. Yeah. The mommy syndrome. Two yeah. hours of sleep, but I'm here. <laughs> oh, oh my two goodness. hours of sleep. Yes, I just yeah. went to sleep. <laughs> Anywho, I'm here. Coffee, shop, conversations. Hey, now. You got your Mountain Dew this morning? No. <laughs> Two hours of sleep and no Mountain Dew. No coffee either, right? Right. <laughs> but wow. I'm here. That's awesome. If nothing else, we, we are a dedicated group. Yes, we are. Amen to that. This may this may be one of the more interesting episodes. Adrian getting bitten <laughs> oh. by the mosquitoes. Jatila's on two hours of sleep. I'm on on a little bit more than that, fortunately, and I do have yeah. my coffee. You got your fuel. I got my fuel, but I've been running around for the last couple of days too. One of our kiddos has been sick, so we've been up off and on throughout the night, but. um after hearing your guys' stories, I I cannot complain. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you oh, guys well. are tough. I'm I'm impressed. Oh, thank you. We didn't need to be too impressed. We just do it to to continue what we're doing, and we love what we're doing. <laughs> you know, wonderful job at, at it, Jed. Oh, thank you. I enjoy doing this with you guys. And the cool thing is, is we've got an important message to share. We got important stuff yes, to pass on, and um, it's fun exactly. just getting up and um, blazing the early hours, the um, mosquitoes, and all of whatever you guys are going through, and talking about real, real life. <laughs> exactly, yeah. real life issues. Exactly, exactly. But today, now we're going to talk about helping your child and your family and your relationships get closer to God. Absolutely. So today is all about. Yeah, that's my little one. She came in and peeked in the door to say hi. <laughs> yes, that's nice. That's nice. Okay. So today is all about the importance of relationships, and really, it's yeah. connecting the value of relationships to the church. Does yeah, kind of interesting. And in, in some ways, psychology is catching up with the Bible. And I guess you could say now church is catching up with psychology. So really the key things that we're learning about relationships have been in the Bible all along. So surprise, surprise, God knows how people best function. And when psychologists um, run their experiments and um, run their social experiments and come to their verified conclusions, almost always you can go back to Scripture and say, wait a minute, that's a key idea that's been in Scripture for um, thousands of years. What's interesting is a lot of these key ideas are now really entering into the church as well. Um, And it's, it's almost a little bit of a shame that Christians haven't been using some of these key ideas earlier. So, this is all about the importance of attachment and relationships and really the importance of attachment and relationships in every area of life. So first of all, I want to introduce you guys to a psychologist by the name of John Bowlby. 
So John grew up in the 1900s, and he grew up in a uh-huh. time when children were expected to be seen and not heard. So pretty typical yes. back in the 1900s in Britain. John was raised by his nanny. And so the common thinking of the day was you don't want to spend too much time with your children or you're going to spoil them. Now, wow. today we know that's not true. Um, Emmeline is almost two months old. She'll be um, two months on the 12th. And our pediatrician will tell us you can't hold her too much. You can't overdo it. Um, but back in the 1900s in Britain, you know, John was growing up only allowed to see his biological mother for an hour each day. Every day he'd see her for yeah. one hour at tea time. And pretty wow. much the rest of the day he was raised by his nanny. And so wow, wow, wow. When he looks back at his childhood, he describes two great childhood tragedies. The first was when his nanny, or beloved nurse Minnie, left the home. Um, she was John's primary caregiver, and she was really like the mom in his life. And so at four years old, uh-huh. for whatever reason, he ended, she ended up um, transitioning out of the family. And even as an older adult, John looks back and said, I didn't like that. That was a person who cared for me. That was a person who nurtured me and took care of me. And that was really um, pretty traumatic for me when, when she left. And then the second major um, childhood wound in John's life was when he was sent away to boarding school. And that had to do with World War II and parents wanting to keep their kids safe. So they went ahead and sent John away to boarding school. But later on as an adult, John wrote, I wouldn't send a dog away to boarding school at age seven. So, again, wow. it's another, another big attachment wound where he's got mom and dad who are supposed to be the primary caregivers in his life, primary people taking care of him, and they're not really attached to him. They're not connected, bonded. And um, so later on, John grew up and specialized in human attachments. Now, you've probably heard a lot about John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth, yes? Not so much John, but others who came after him. I particularly followed Dr. Now, I'm, I'm, I put out my notes. Oh, gosh, the guy who wrote the STEP, STEP program. Uh, the name will come back to me in a while, but he talked about what happens when children are not given proper attention. They misbehave, and they get into four goals of misbehavior. Every child, yeah. every human being has a purpose or behavior. And I'm sure you get into that in a while. Absolutely. So continuing on with John's story, he teamed up with a researcher by the name of Mary Ainsworth, and she became really mm-hmm. well known for this experiment she did called the Strange Situation Room. And so what Mary would do is um, take a child and mom, have them enter a staged room that looked kind of like a um, – small waiting room in the doctor's office or dentist's office, and there would be some toys over in the corner, some chairs to sit in, and, you know, after a couple minutes, a stranger would come in the room, and mom would get up the room and leave, and then, you know, most often the the child would cry. He or she would get upset when mom left. Um, Stranger would try to comfort the child. Eventually, the stranger would leave. Mom would come back in, and the researchers would watch how the child responded to mom coming back in the room. Some kids with a secure attachment would run to mom, give mom a hug, you know, kind of use mom as a source of safety, security, comfort, feel better, and then go out and explore the room again. Some children are super, super angry. Um, They call it the ambivalent attachment style. So they might run to mom, give mom a hug, and slap mom. 
you know, and it's that feeling of, Mom, I really love you, you're important, and I'm really mad at you too. Or they might push her, you know. Other children um, would ignore Mom. Mom would come back in the room and they would be mad, so they would turn their backs, cross their arms, and really shut Mom out. And then other children were just confused and bewildered and didn't know what to do. And so from watching these experiments, they came up with these four attachment styles. And what's interesting is as they went on, they found out that um, children who attached to their parents in a secure way did better in school. They had better relationships themselves as they got older. Um, they had higher satisfaction in their own dating and marriage marriages. And so really there's these lifelong benefits of having other people in their lives who we attach to securely. Really, if I'm going to sum all of that up, I'm just going to say friendships matter, relationships matter. Um, you know, when for us parents, having good relationships with our kids is probably one of the most important things we can do. What do you guys think about that? I think having a um, good relationship and a good foundation with your kids or children are very key, and I definitely agree with you. Um, relationships are very important, and I see that with my son, considering that he doesn't have a father. But um, mm-hmm. I think it's very um, important for him to have the attachments that he does with outside family members, because I believe it truly takes a village to raise a child or children. Yeah, so having relationships all over the place is kind of what I hear you saying. I hear you saying, as mom, you've got to have that solid relationship, and you need other important people in, in your son's life, too. Yes. Yes. So there's a uh, great quote. I'm not sure who said it, but it says, rules without relationship leads to rebellion. And that's so true. It's a quote that I put in a new book that I'm coming out with. And um, what I've seen time and time again is, well, eventually kids grow up and they get bigger, stronger, more agile than their moms. A lot of kids in high school, if um, – they didn't want to listen to mom. They could run the show at home, right? Um, I know one mom with two teenage boys. They tower above her, super athletic in all sorts of sports at school. And there's no doubt that mom's in charge at home. You know, if mom gives her sons a disappointing look, she can have them break down in tears. She's in charge at home not because she can make her kids do anything, but because she's got that relationship with them. And her two sons can't stand the thought of breaking mom's heart. And so that's really the power of attachment and the power of relationships. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think we might have lost ATN. Yeah, I think so, too. Okay. You lost me for about 30 seconds, and I'm back. I was going to yeah, say, I've never, heard you, I've never heard you this quiet on the show before. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Well, listen, let me oh, back look, up I'm, a little bit. I'm back up a little bit. The gentleman I was trying to remember was Rudolf Drukers. Drukers. D r u k e i r s. He's the psychologist I, back in the, the same time, uh, time of century, who believed that all children, all people, particular children, have uh, their behavior has a purpose. There's a reason why they want to do something. And he broke it down into four parts. And I'm, I, I know I'm jumping ahead, but I want to get as much in as I can before I get cut off again, uh, drop call. 
And he was saying basically that children, if they're not given the proper attention or reaction or attachment to their parents, they will act in four different ways. And one of those ways would be seeking attention. The next way would be, not necessarily disorder, but another one would be revenge. Another one would be power. And the last one mm-hmm. he would say, I call it uh, manipulation, but it's, he calls it a display of, of, of uh, what do you call it? A display of inability to do the work. I can't do that. In other words, if mm-hmm. I did often enough, somebody would do it for me. So that's basically what I want to share with you in uh, Rudolf Dreyfus. Absolutely. No, and I think that's key because when children aren't connecting with their parents, they're going to find a way yeah. to create that connection. So if mom exactly. and dad aren't being loving, nurturing, paying attention, yeah. um, children are exactly. going to find a way to get that attention, even if it means acting yeah. out and getting negative attention. So right. what's interesting is today we know that both children and adults need safe, loving, encouraging people in their lives. It used to be that most of our attachment work was geared at children, and something yes. new that's happening is we're realizing how important attachment is as adults, too. And so this is something new that's making its way into um, marriage counseling, marriage coaching. Yes. It used to be that the common thinking in um, marriage counseling was that couples need to learn how to communicate better. And if a couple could yes. just express themselves, communicate well, they'd be able to come to agreements and work out the problems. Then researcher yes. John Gottman came along. He did his study, found out no matter how well couples communicate, they tend to argue about the same things over and over and over and over again throughout the lifetime of their marriage. And so what right. we're finding is that couples who go to marriage counseling and get the traditional um, communication skills, they learn how to refine their arguments. They learn how to fight better. They might learn how to control their <laughs> anger a little bit. But all they're doing is learning how to fight better. They're not resolving any of the yeah. longstanding issues. Exactly. And now we know what most couples really want isn't to get rid of arguments. Most of them think, most people would say, yeah, you know what, it'd be nice if my wife and I never argued, but that's not the key thing. What's really missing is that we're not connecting. And so so that's kind of the new new direction that marriage therapy is taking. Okay, I'm going to let you jump in. Yeah. Oh, me? (laughs) I'm sorry, I cut you off. I know, I I, I like what you said, too, about how Jesus connected with the downtrodden because nobody else was connecting with them back in in, in that day. He developed attachment with the lost souls or the ones who were about to become lost souls. And it's amazing. I never thought of it that way before. I never looked at it that way. But in reality, the people who function best are the people who have attachment in their lives. The people who become someone or something in their lives have attachments. And I hope you would share a little bit more about the attachment aspect of of relationships. Absolutely. It's kind of interesting how this has gone full circle. So it started with John Bowlby and... (laughs) Mary Ainsworth and their experiments with kids and finding out how important attachment is on children, it's progressed into us gaining a better understanding of how important attachment is in adults and that in our marriage relationships, we need these safe, secure attachments where we can, um, where 
even I as a husband can go to Jenny, my wife, and tell her what makes me happy, what makes me scared, what makes me frustrated, and know that at the end of the day, we're still going to be friends. Exactly. And she needs that same thing in me. And then it's gone well, from adult attachment then, all the way back to scripture. All right, jump in. You know, <laughs> at the end of the day, I hope you and Jenny are more than just friends. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm just messing with you guys. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> no, but you know what? But that's a piece of it that's missing in a lot of relationships. It's it's a key part of marriage. I mean, there's so much more to marriage than friendship. Yeah. But marriage yeah. without that friendship can be pretty miserable. Horrendous. Yeah. Horrendous. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let me jump in there with, with something else that comes to mind. What happens when a child grows up without that attachment? That child has to fun or fight or go through the whole life on his own, her own, trying to figure out what to do with life. And if the child doesn't have the attachment, the child picks up what Dr. Dreyfus says, one of the four goals. He looks for attention, he or she, I'm going to use a generic key, meaning he or she, fights for attention, gets into power struggles, and becomes a bully, gets into revenge, he becomes revengeful, could be a bully or not, but revengeful, and finally he becomes the manipulator or the con artist. Now, if you take a good look at society and you look at people who are in the hospital or in the jail, you'll find nine times out of ten they're in the hospital, and I'm talking about a psychiatric ward, where they have trouble, behavioral problems. They're there because of one of those four problems. They didn't know how to deal with anger. They didn't know how to deal with power struggles. They didn't know how to deal with revenge. Or for that matter, all they knew what to do was to manipulate people. I better get something from somebody before they take it from me. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So that okay, attachment is so, so important. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hey, so let's yes. now connect this to the to the Bible because the interesting thing is um key verse for this is in Matthew nine eleven. Um yes. the Pharisees came to the disciples and asked the disciples why Jesus was spending so much time eating with tax collectors and sinners. And then yes. later on, Jesus refers to himself as a friend of sinners. And what's interesting is Jesus was well-known for attending people's parties. Yeah. He was well-known at being actually an honored guest at their, at their parties. We don't know if Jesus ever preached to this crowd. You know, all we know is that he was considered their friend, that he was their yeah. honored guest, and that people loved to have him around. So... You know, we don't even know if um, preaching to this crowd was on his agenda, but certainly the relationship piece was, and that was there without without a doubt. Um, I think sometimes in our churches we focus so much on the spiritual aspect that we forget the relational aspect, and that's not what was exactly. called by Jesus. You know, yes. friendship is a real need, that connected connection, bonding, and attachment is a real need um, in everybody's yeah. life at, at church. Yeah, And so I think sometimes um, as a seminary professor, when we talk about evangelism, we think of either presenting the four spiritual laws, outlining a gospel message, um, praying a sinner's prayer. But usually when we think of evangelism, the first thing that comes to mind isn't the word friendship. 
but probably yeah. our thinking needs to change. And first thing we think of when we think of evangelism should be um, friendship and connection and laughing and yeah. having fun and spending time together and doing life together. Mm-hmm. Doing life, life for things. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, we have about five minutes. All right, about five minutes left. Well, there's another researcher by the name of Kara. She wrote a book called Sticky Faith, and she said this, kids experience Jesus Christ when adults in the church give them grace, time, and genuine love with no hidden agenda. Uh, What Kara is finding out is after graduating from high school, the majority of her kids end up leaving the church, and a good number of them end up walking away from their faith. Um, The glue that's holding children at church is having relationships with other adults inside of the church. So wow. when high schoolers come to youth group and they're not only connected to the youth pastor and other teams in the church, but they're also connected to other adults in the church, that's when they stick to the church and when they're, they stick to their faith, too. Yeah. Wow. So she's a huge advocate to this one-to-five ratio. She said every teenager in our church, every kid in our church needs five other adults that they're connected to and attached to. And that's really what's wow. going to make their faith stick. So really evangelism could be as simple as giving somebody a high five, giving them a hug, asking them how their week was, saying, hey, I'm so glad you're here and connecting with really everybody you come in contact with when you're at church on Sunday morning. Yeah. So in other words, evangelism or connecting the spiritual world with the human world is a lot more than just going to church for one hour, two hours on Sunday. Absolutely. It really all comes back to relationships. Exactly. And it's funny because there's a tagline in um, Christian circles that says, um, you know, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. And we like to repeat that phrase over and over. But the big question is, do we really believe that? Do we believe that it's a relationship so much that we're willing to get out of our comfort zone and connect to the other people, you know, other people around us? And so that's something I'm trying to do more, too, is um, not sneak into church and sneak out really quick, but to stick around, develop the relationships, get to know people, and um, encourage other people. It helps me and um, according to all the research, it really helps everybody else as well. Great. Great. Chet, I can't say enough how much I appreciate having you on the line doing this segment with us every Monday morning because you bring it home to the real world. The real world and religion come together. The Bible and the real world comes together, and I thank you for that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you guys being flexible with me, too, and rescheduling and braving the hot sun and mosquitoes and gorgeous view of the beach, well, which I'm real, still very jealous of. That's, that's the real world, though, isn't it? That's the real world. Yeah. I want to see a picture of your view. Can you post that? Yes, I'll do it's that. It's a beautiful I'll do it. view. <laughs> yes, I'll do that. The only university I, I know other than maybe one in Hawaii that where the university has its own beach. That's awesome. There's one here in California, too. Oh, Point Loma, okay. Nazarene has its own, own beach, and I wanted to go there for wow. all, all the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> go to the beach, right? 
to be a big bum. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Well, Jay, we better go ahead and make our last uh, our closing thoughts. All right. So my closing thought today is something that I'm trying to work on is connecting with people more, just realizing that giving somebody a high five, asking them how their week is, taking time to disengage from my cell phone, computer, busyness of life, and to give somebody my full and undivided attention is more powerful than I know and more important than I often um, often realize. So that's what I'm working on this week. Fantastic. Okay. Let's go to Shatila. What's your closing thought, Shatila? My closing thought is to keep my children amongst family and keep the family hands-on and involved and also be a listening ear for the children because you never know, you know, what they may be going through because you have to continue to be the tour guide. Good. Tour guide for your, parents, for your children. How about that? Mama the tour guide. <laughs> Check everything out. All right. I've heard you use that phrase before. I love it. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I'm just about out of time now, Jed. I want to say thank you for being here with us. Shakila, likewise, thank you for being here. And we'll catch you next Monday at the same time, 10 Eastern. Now, what you're in the background is a bunch of students who are on their break from their seminar. Until next time, we'll see you. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.